Hello. How are you guys tonight? Well, we wanted to show you that video for a couple reasons. One was is that I am so proud of the women that worked so hard to pull that off, and I just wanted you to get a chance to get a glimpse of it. And it looks like several of you have been, so that is cool. And another reason we wanted you to see that video is just the, the language that we used in that video a lot with the woman that I see. And I just have a question for you tonight. You know, is the woman that you see the woman that God sees in you? And I know a lot of times that that is a struggle for me, that through the years that the, I feel like that the woman that God saw in me was not the woman I saw in me. And actually for several years of living in the limelight of an amazing leader husband that I have, it was just like, you know, he was born a leader. He just got it together. I am a bit partial towards him. But I just thought, you know, I can never measure up to that. I can never be the leader that he is. And somebody told me one day, you know, Michelle, I don't think that that's what God's asking you to do. I think he's just asking you to be the mom to this house, like Amir referred to earlier. And I thought, I can be a mom. I know how to be a mom. That fits for me. And so tonight, you know, as we're here having family time together as a bunch of women, I just want to speak to you as the daughters of this house. You are the daughters in this house, and I just want to speak to you as I would my daughters. And I actually have one of my daughters here tonight. Haley, raise your hand. And, uh, and so we are going to have family time. I love family. I love team. That's why I have another family member up here with me and Rebecca, my dear friend. And so we are just going to just share with you as we have our family time tonight. And so I just want to start off talking to you about, um, to tell you a little story about the beginning of the year. We had prayer and fasting. How many of you got to participate in prayer and fasting? I know. I love that time every year. I just love that the beginning of the year, we just give to God, and we give it to him, and this is yours, Lord, and it's just cool to see the things that come out of it. And so partway through the fast this year, um, Rick and I and our uh, other daughter, Grace, were talking in the kitchen, and he said, Grace, what is God showing you through the fast this year? And he goes, she goes, nothing. What's he showing you? And he goes, well, I've got a lot on my computer. Do you want me to go get it and show you? And Grace and I look at each other like, really? You've got a computer full. We would love one word, let alone a computer full. And uh, so I was just thinking about that through the day. And later that day, I was talking to somebody that was doing a devotional that talked about one word. And I thought, that's what I was just saying this morning. I would just love one word. And I did a little research on that and found out that there's a book written that these two men wrote together that were talking about the beginning of every year. They just asked the Lord for one word. And it could be a character, it could be a character quality, quality. It could be an attribute of God. It could be just anything, just one word. And so I started thinking, one word, Lord, just give me one word during this time. And the word joy just started dropping into my heart. And um, part of it is because I am this season of my life, I'm going through a, a change. My daughter that's up here is getting married and she is moving to Birmingham. Don't ever get married and leave your moms. That's just not what you're supposed to do. And that's what she's doing. And then my other, our youngest child is graduating from high school. So we, I have had 23 amazing years of being a mother to four awesome children. And now my season of life is just changing. And it's not bad. It's just change. And change isn't always fun. Sometimes change stinks. And I just wanted to maneuver this season of my life with joy. And so I just felt like, okay, I think joy might be my word. That that's just what I want to have before me this year is joy. And I went to church that next morning. That was a Saturday night where I felt like that was my word. And somebody came up to me at church and they said, Michelle, I had a dream. 
Am I still on? It sounded funny for a second. <laughs> um, and so they said, Michelle, I had a dream about you. And I said, you did? What did you dream about me? And they said, I, you just walked up to me in, your, in this dream, and you were so full of the joy of the Lord. I'm like, no way. I heard from God, maybe. And so then a few days later, somebody gave me this plate, and um, they had like did some artwork on a plate and it had like BZ in the middle of it and all of our family's names. And then they had this verse on there in Psalms 126.3 that says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. I thought, there's my word again. And I thought, this is it. This is so cool. I got my one word. And so I just wanted to share with you just for a few minutes the difference between joy and happiness. And my word could have been happiness, but I feel like there is a big difference between joy and happiness. And depending on the translation of the Bible that you would use, there's happy or happiness is in the Bible 30 times. But joy and rejoice is in the Bible over 300 times. So happiness is based on circumstances. Happiness is external. Like warm chocolate chip cookies make me really happy. And TJ Maxx makes me really happy. And spending time with my kids, date nights with my husband, those things make me happy. And just think about tonight, what makes you happy? Is it a boyfriend? Is it finally finishing school where you can go make money? Whatever it is, what is it that makes you happy? And all of these things are fine, but they're temporary. And when they're gone, are you still going to be happy? Happiness depends on what happens, but joy depends on the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Life happens, circumstances change, and then we're not happy anymore. But you know what? Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 12 says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about that. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He had joy before he endured the cross. That is amazing. That is the kind of joy that I want to walk in, that no matter what the circumstance is, that I have joy in that circumstance. And there is, when Rick and I lived in Louisiana, we were um, there was a family that we went to church with us that had four children just like Rick and I had. They had a boy, girl, boy, girl. They were the same ages as my children. The only difference in their family and mine is that their firstborn son had a gen um, genetic disease and he died when he was two. Then they had a little girl and they were on the mission field and she was born premature and because of where they were at, they didn't have the facilities to sustain her and she died a week later. Then they had their third baby, and he was fine. And then they had their fourth child, who had another genetic disease and who lived but has, had, has many problems with her life. And so, um, and there were many times I'd run into this family at church, and they'd look at all four of my children. And now, what are the ages? What are the, and I just, I knew what they were doing. They were just seeing this is what their family would have been like. And I was sitting in church one Sunday, and the, the father of that family was sitting in front of me. His name was Phil. And the, the message that Sunday, I remember the pastor distinctively talking about how the grass is greener on the other side a lot of times that we think that, but that how he knew he was God's favorite. And I was sitting there thinking, 
I know I'm God's favorite. I have an amazing husband. I have four beautiful children. I know I'm God's favorite. And as I'm sitting there thinking that, the man in front of me that, has, that already lost two children and one is suffering a disease looked at the person next to him and said, I know I'm God's favorite. And he did that, and I was saying that because of my happiness. He said that out of joy because he knew who his Jesus was, and he walked in that daily. It was a choice. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and choose it every day. And so I just have a few practical things, and then I'm done, of ways that we can choose joy. One way is to smile. Simply smile. You can make somebody's day, and you can make your day by smiling. Sometimes your joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes your smile can be the source of your joy. And then look for ways to serve people. If you're serving people, you are full of joy to having that opportunity. And then look for ways in your life to be thankful. You know, if we just start, if we focus on the things around us that we're thankful for, you can't help but to be full of joy. And then lastly, the um, joy is the thermostat that controls conditions and happiness evaporates in crisis. And so I just want to challenge you to be that thermostat in conditions that I have always said, I just want us at New Life Church to be the kind of women that when we walk into a room, the temperature in that room changes. And not because we're something cool, but because of the joy of the Lord that is inside of us. And when we walk in that joy, and no matter what the circumstances in, is in a room, the temperature in that room changes because of what, how, the love of Jesus that we carry in us. So just remember, happiness depends on what happens. Joy depends on the Lord. Happiness is external but joy is eternal. And now I get to hand this over to my awesome daughter-in-law. I'm so glad you guys get to hear, and I hope all of you are an amazing daughter-in-law to your mother-in-law one day, like my daughter-in-law is to be. <laughs> she is. I need this now. Hey, everyone. Wasn't that awesome? Give it up for Mama Michelle. Almost said Pastor Michelle, but I knew that wouldn't fly. So, like Amir said, my name's Katie, and my husband, Hunter, and I pastor Real Life, which is the group right below you guys, the student ministry, high school, and just a little plug for Real Life, we have some amazing students, some awesome girls, so if you guys ever are looking for a place to serve, they would love to have you come hang out with them. We have some awesome leaders in here, Sid and Chelsea and Carissa, and there's a lot of you guys in here. But anyways, um, we just started that this past year, and it's been an awesome ride. And before that, I was plugged in with Elevation, so this ministry is very near and dear to my heart. But it's even, well, I won't say even cooler, but it's just as cool for me that I get to sit up here with Michelle and Rebecca because both of them poured into my life when I was your age. And so it's kind of just surreal that now I'm back here, but... Anyway, how many of you guys are singers or you imagine yourself as a singer? Raise your hand. <laughs> Heather. How many of you guys imagine yourself one day getting on stage with Beyonce? Yeah. This is like my Beyonce moment where I'm like, I'm here finally. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I promise I am not here to talk to you about Beyonce. I'm here to talk to you about another characteristic of being a woman of God. And so the woman that I see is full of peace. So if you're taking notes, write down the word peace. And there's a lot of different definitions. A lot of you may think of like a hippie, like peace, or yoga, namaste, or 
Um, Eddie Yoga. Um, or like peace during a time of war. There's no more turmoil. But from what I studied and what I can tell that the Word of God says, peace is an undisturbed and quiet confidence because you know that God has your back. And honestly, like Michelle said earlier, like as women, we carry quite a responsibility because we can walk into a room and totally change the atmosphere. We can walk in and suck the life out of it by your attitude or your facial expression, or you can walk in and you can totally light it up. You can bring the peace of God to a situation where there was no peace. And so today I wanna to talk to you guys just about being women who carry peace because you have an awesome responsibility and it's a really cool thing when you and when one of your friends walks in it or when you do to see that change. So this whole idea of choosing peace has been something that I have been, I guess, um, seeing very realistically the past couple of weeks because my husband, Hunter, went skiing two weeks ago and I get this really vague phone call. I'm like, hey, is Hunter there? No, I, why can't I speak with Hunter? Oh, he just, he, uh, we're getting him checked out right now. He can't really talk. And I'm like, what? And I was on the way to workout class, so I'm like, okay, I bet it's fine. Well, <laughs> right, why didn't I worry? I don't know. But, um, right, he was wearing a helmet. That's probably why I didn't worry. But um, to make a long story short, he, like, had a really bad break, hurt his collarbone. This past couple of weeks, I've been trying to figure out what do we do with real life while he's out? What, you know, just life got crazy. And I really felt like the enemy was trying to get me to buy into thoughts of worry and anxiety and being overwhelmed and all of that that I'm sure you guys experience when things happen. Like when life gets hard, the easiest thing to do would be to worry or freak out or whatever, to be dramatic, right? But what I realized is that it takes, and Michelle said this the other day, it takes just as much energy to choose worry or to act in worry or fear or anxiety as it does to choose peace and realizing that it is a choice and it's something that we can walk in in our everyday lives. It's not like, oh, I'm naturally a peaceful person and you're not, so we're going to live differently. Everyone has the choice to carry out peace and walk in peace in whatever life situation they're in. So I have two verses I want to share with you guys, so go ahead and write them down. The first one is Psalm 34, 14, and it says, depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace. I want y'all to circle that or underline it or write it really big or something. Crave peace and pursue it. Isn't that cool? Like a cool picture. You know how you crave like Krispy Kreme or going to the beach or the weekend. It's like you think about it and you try to make it happen and you kind of get obsessed about it. That's what God is saying. Like we should crave peace. And when a situation isn't peaceful, we should move toward peace in any way that we can. And then the next verse is Colossians 3.15. And I'm just going to read the first part. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I want you to underline rule. And I love this verse because Sometimes I read the Amplified Version, and it, like, gives you all these other different words for words. And it said that, let the peace of God be an umpire in your life. And an umpire, you know, he calls things whether they're out or whether they're safe, and it's, like, the deciding factor. 
And this is saying like, if you are making a decision in life, let the peace of God be the deciding factor. Isn't that good? Because I struggled a lot in, when I was you, your age, like figuring out how do I know whether to date him? How do I know whether to do blah, blah, blah? And it goes back to being led by peace. So let's see. One more little thing. I just wanted to um, remind you guys of this. If you have accepted Jesus into your heart, then you have the prince of peace living inside of you. And so that means you literally always have access to peace, which is so cool. I, somebody taught me that at some point, and I remember writing it down and being like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And so I just wanted to remind you guys that and then encourage you that if there is any area in your life where you feel like you have chosen worry or chosen fear or chosen drama, if you tend toward drama, just sit before God and think about it or whatever. And like, let's make a choice as women of God to choose peace. And that's all I've got. Um, and I get the honor of introducing Rebecca. She's one of my dear friends. She mentored me in college and now we're buddies. And one day I hope we get to have babies together, which I mean, not having babies like together, but being pregnant at the same time. <laughs> So one day, you just need to slow down and not have babies yet. 2015's our year. No, that's this year. <laughs> it's okay. No. No, no. Okay. Yeah, Michelle's for it. I'm for it. Y'all for it? Yeah. It's getting hot in here. Okay. Um. Hey, y'all, I do have to say something really fast before I jump into anything that I'm talking about. And that is, I don't know if y'all know, but Katie's husband, Michelle's son, Hunter, had collarbone surgery. And he only got to his house like an hour before Katie had to be up here. And Michelle was at the hospital today, and so was Katie. Can we give them a hand? Yeah, you never have any idea what people have already been through in their day before you see them. So when they were telling me all about it, I was like, wow, life has been really good to me today. Um, but anyway, Hunter's doing good. In case you want an update, he's doing great. He's at home with Miss B, his grandmama. And so anyway, I just thought it was awesome that they're here. And Katie and Michelle both are very dear friends of mine. And uh, I just have to tell a funny story about me and Katie because she's been one of those friends in my life that's always been there at a moment that I need her. We always need friends like that, right? A few years ago, we're at this conference, and it is like hunt, packed out hundreds of people. There's lines everywhere, and I had to go to the bathroom pronto. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I go to the line, 30 people. I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, please deliver me right now. Katie walks up to me, and is like, I tell her what's going on. She's like, oh, I found us a secret bathroom. And it's like the best words I could ever hear. And she's like, follow me. So I follow her through these crowds of people, and we make it into the bathroom. What we didn't know is it was a preschool bathroom, okay? There was one toilet, and it was one foot off the floor, okay? And we were in one room together. And so, you know, but when you got to go, you got to go, right? This girl's ladies' night. Sorry, Amir. So, so I go first because Katie's servant-hearted. She lets me go first. And uh, then we switch, and I'm trying to, you know, give her privacy and whatever and make it like it's not a big deal, right? And then all of a sudden, there's this puddle on the floor that starts expanding across the floor. And I, I said, and don't worry, I asked permission before I told this story. That's what friends do, right? And so I said, Katie, I think you're peeing on the floor. And she goes, oh, no, I am. And so uh, we, it was, it was so short. Yeah, that's what we learned. Six foot tall women do not try to squat down to a foot off the floor, okay? It ends in disaster. Don't worry, we got it taken care of. 
But I just want to say, Katie, thank you for being the kind of friend who'd pee on the floor for me. We all need friends like that. Uh, my husband and I, Brandon, we do pastor the worship teams here at New Life Church. And I just have to give a shout out to our worship people because God has brought, he's assembled such an amazing team here at New Life Church. And yeah, we can clap for them. And I know, I know you guys know that they're talented, but I'm telling you, even more than that, they sincerely have hearts for God and for his kingdom. And they love this house and they love people. So I'm so proud of them. They're like my babies, my other babies, because my husband and I finally have a baby girl. She's eight, month, eight months old. She's in the back. My twin sister is rocking her back and forth. Well, not the one with the red hat. That's not my twin, but the other one, that's my twin. Uh, and I think we have a picture of her. Israel Juliana, there she is. She's a little sleepy, and we did that photo shoot, so I couldn't get a smile out of her. But she was an answer to much prayer, and she came after years of waiting and praying. So I just want her to be a reminder in every one of your lives, wherever you're at, whatever your season is, that God hears the desires of your heart, and he wants to bless you, and he is fully able to do more than you would ask him or imagine. Anyway, that's not even my topic. I'm also blessed to serve with this amazing lady, the mom of the house, Michelle. Um, wasn't she so great earlier, y'all? I have been taking notes on this, and, you know, she may act like she just has one little word for the year, but she's already written a sermon on it, and it's only February, okay? So can I say preach it, sister? But she is not only my pastor and my leader, but she has also become a dear friend, the kind of friend who will tell me things that I need to hear. Like the other day, I show up at her house, and she says, friend, is your shirt inside out? I think I see a tag. And I said, Yes, that's what happens when you take your shirt off eight times a day. Because if I'm being honest, breastfeeding, y'all, is a lot of work, okay? No one told me about this. Once again, I'm sorry for the guys in the back, but I'm just being real tonight, okay? But one of the things this great lady has told me over and over again is that the woman she sees is strong but not hard, tenacious but not mean, okay? In other words, I'm going to give you one simple word in case you're trying to write all that. She is brave, a woman of God is brave. So I want you to say that sentence with me. I am brave. We're going to say it together. One, two, three. I am brave. Yes. Brave means possessing or displaying courage despite difficulty, opposition, or discouragement. I'm going to say it again in case you want to write that definition. Possessing or displaying courage despite difficulty, opposition, or discouragement. Some synonyms are bold, strong, fearless, audacious, adventurous, daring. I've always thought of myself as a brave person kind of naturally. When I was a kid, I remember I would climb to the top of really high trees, and I wanted to look out and see what looked like the whole world to me. I never once thought I would fall. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. And when it was wintertime as a kid and it would ice over where I lived, I wanted to climb out on the rooftop to go ice skating, okay? So being brave then meant doing things that seemed fun despite the danger or taking risks or pushing yourself as far as possible. And it almost always involved breaking the rules. Do I have any rule breakers in the house? Let's be honest. Yes. As Pastor Rick says, God might kill us if we're not honest in church. Anyway, um, a few years ago, I was in Los Angeles with some friends. We were at some meetings, and uh, we were having to deal with that crazy traffic. If you've ever been to Los Angeles, it's another world out there. It's not like Arkansas driving people, okay? It's like crazy. It's like a jungle. So I remember thinking, you know, I'm brave. They need to let me drive because, you know, I can be an aggressive driver when I need to. I can get us in and out of traffic. And I remember passing this car, and I was the first at the stoplight. I was so proud of myself. Like, we're going to get where we need to go on time, and it's because of me, and I'm awesome, and whatever. And then I heard God say something to me, okay? That's the point of the story. 
Um, he said, I didn't give you your boldness so that you could get yourself to the front of the line in traffic. I gave it to you so you could do for others what they cannot do for themselves. This was a huge revelation for me. I always knew that I had a strong personality. I was drawn towards leadership. I was bold by nature, but God opened my eyes to see his purpose in making me this way. And it was not so that I could be brave for myself, for my own benefit, but so I could be brave for someone else. So like Michelle and Katie said, so when I walk in a room, I can look around that room and find somebody who's fearful or discouraged or seems overwhelmed, and I can step in to where they are at and cheer them on, stand with them or for them, and help them understand that God will accomplish the impossible in their life. This is something I've been learning lately. God is not interested in what you and I can do without him, but what we can do with him. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. God's spirit does not make us fearful. It's not a spirit of fear. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. Because apart from God, we can do nothing. But the Bible says, through him, we can accomplish all things. God is looking for women like you and I who are willing to be brave for other people, brave to listen, brave to encourage, brave to protect, brave to forgive. And he promises he will give us his power if we would just take the first step. This is something so amazing to me. Jesus was so brave for other people. He always broke rules when it meant rescuing someone or healing someone, or encouraging someone. According to the rules of his day, he should never have talked to the woman at the well. He should never have touched a leper. He should never have saved an adulterer. He should never have knelt down to clean someone's feet. He should never have accepted a sentence for a crime that he didn't commit. But aren't you glad that he was brave when it came to us? The Bible says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Pastor Rick has challenged each of us this year in 2015 with a vision statement. I don't know if you've heard it yet. You probably have. But the vision statement for our church in 2015 is the phrase, compelled by the Spirit. I've been praying, God, what are you saying to me with that phrase this year? And I believe it means being brave to quickly and obediently respond when the Holy Spirit drops something into your heart. And I don't know how God is asking you to be brave. Maybe it's a person's name right now that comes to your mind that you know you need to text or check on or encourage. Maybe it's a decision God is pushing you to make. He's asking you to make it and you've been avoiding it. Maybe it's an area of your life to finally surrender and say, God, you can have it. Maybe it's to forgive somebody who has hurt you or harmed you or to apologize to someone you know needs to hear it, or to speak encouragement when you'd rather be critical. I don't know what your area where God is challenging you to be brave, but I know he's speaking one to each of us in this room. And so I want to close this little section. We're going to pray tonight, and then we're going to actually answer a few questions that you guys have given to us. But everybody, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your spirit in this room. We thank you for your presence in our lives and in this church. Lord God, we do not take you for granted. 
We are so blessed by all that you have done for us, God. We're so blessed by the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And right now, Lord God, I'm so thankful for this night and all that you would be speaking to us and everything that's happened in the worship and the speaking. And so right now, I want to pray over everyone in this room, Lord God. I know that uh, we've heard words about being challenged to walk in peace and being challenged to grab a hold of the joy of your spirit and being challenged to be brave for other people. And I just pray right now, Lord God, I don't know where everyone in this room is at, but I know, Lord Jesus, that you are speaking to each heart in this room. So I pray, Lord God, that we will say yes to you tonight. Whatever the area is that we need to surrender, what, however you are asking us to walk in joy and in peace, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would say yes to you. And I know there may be some people in this room that think if you only knew what I was walking through right now, you wouldn't ask me to be full of joy. You wouldn't ask me to walk in peace or to be brave. I just want to say right now, by the power of Jesus, that God sees your situation. And I believe that God is saying tonight, his eyes are upon you. He's never left you. He's never walked away from you. And that his ears are attentive to your cry. And I just pray right now for anyone in this room that would be in a situation like that. Lord Jesus, we ask that you move in their life. We ask that you accomplish the impossible for them. We ask that you show yourself to be the strong, mighty, powerful, loving God that you are. And we give all this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go for it, Sydney. That concludes our portion. Q&A, super quick. Um, we're going to get to hear some answers to questions that you guys emailed and texted in. So, first question. How should I handle comparison amongst other women? I know we're all women of God and made in his image, but I really struggle with this. I get to answer this one. And um, I like to answer this one because I felt like feel like this is something that I have really struggled with in my life. And um, it's not until it, the last several years that I feel like I've gotten a little bit of a handle on it. But it's just hard. It's, you know, when you see people around you and to not compare yourself to them. There's a verse in Corinthians, though, that I found years ago that I just love. There's a verse in Corinthians that says that those that compare themselves with others are not wise. And I, when I saw that verse, that just struck home with me. And I thought, I don't want to be foolish. I want to be a wise person. So I need help. I'm not comparing myself to people. And, um, you know, there's, there is, um, we can compare ourselves to people to be inspired by them. So sometimes it's okay to compare yourself to somebody to be inspired by somebody. You're inspired by their relationship with the Lord. You're inspired by the way they serve people. You're inspired, you know, with, with them in different ways. But most of the time we compare with people and it causes discouragement in our lives. And, you know, and more or less we're just saying we're not happy with the way God created us. We're not happy with the giftings and the callings that he's put in us. And, you know, God, it's just so cool when you look around and you just start appreciating the giftings and callings that God has put into each individual person because we need them all. We need, you know, Rebecca and I work together a lot and we are totally different people. And I could wish that I was like her or I could just be so thankful that I have her on my team to come alongside of me to complete me. Or I could just wish every day that, oh, man, I wish I had that. I wish I was like that. And I'm more or less I'm telling God, you know, I'm not very thankful with the way you made me. And I wish I was somebody different. And I wish you could do a better job. 
And, um, and so we just have to walk in the gift sets that God gave, a, um, gave us and trust that he knew what he was doing. He's God, for goodness sakes. And um, trust that. And then also, I feel like as women, a lot of times when we start comparing ourselves to other people, sometimes we feel an urge to make them look less so that we can be more. And you have to be really, really careful that you don't do that. And, and instead of doing that, we start looking for ways to encourage the women in our lives. And if there's somebody in your life that you tend to be comparing yourself to, find ways to brag about them. Find people to say, have you noticed how amazing so-and-so is at this? Have you noticed how great they are? And you'll just see that comparison really start changing in your life. Yeah. That's awesome, Michelle. Woo. Okay, our second question. How can a woman grow in walking in forgiveness, grace, and humility, but still be a firm leader and not get run over by others? This is me. Um, well, I got this question because I've had, well, let me just back up. I think, honestly, that if the question is how can you, hang on, guys, I'm forgetting my answer. Dur, dur, dur. Sometimes you get on stage and forget your answer. And you got to walk in humility, huh? Okay. So. Sorry, just had a brain fart. Okay, so here's what I was thinking. I feel like this question sort of poses the idea that walking in forgiveness, grace, and humility can seem like a weak leader. And my thought is, is that it's a really strong stance to be able to walk in forgiveness to walk in humility and walk in, what's the other one? Grace, forgiveness, whatever. Um, just because, you know, when you're dealing with people and you're a leader, you're going to come up, like what Michelle was saying, there's so many different personalities, so many different skill sets and strengths. And so a lot of times you have to choose, okay, I'm not going to get ticked at them. I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to hold bitterness or whatever. And so I think that if you are growing in those areas, you are growing as a strong leader. And then there's kind of the other side to the question, if it is a matter of you're a leader or you're in your life and you're being pulled in like 50 different directions and people are always asking you to do things and you're like, I'm drowning in things, I would say know exactly what your priority is and who your first commitment is to. Because like with my role with Rick and Michelle assisting them, like, I can't let 50 other things pull me away from my primary responsibility, but that doesn't mean I won't be helpful. And so if there's something that's like, urgently, I need you for blah, 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 and I can't, then I could just say like, hey, I totally want to help you, but I have already committed to blah. Let me give you so-and-so's number. And so just remembering to be helpful in all situations. You're not a weak leader if you can't commit it's a strength, honestly, to be able to, like, help people along and say, hey, you can um, get in touch with blah, 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 and just make sure that you do make that connection, because I think a lot of times leaders will just flat out say no, and, you know, being helpful is good, so any addition? No? Okay. Next. That's great. That was great good, answer. Huh? Okay. If you could say anything to your young adult self, what would you say? Um, well, like my young adult self, like way back in the day. Way back. Yeah. 
Well, first I would say, make the most of this season, everybody, because one day they'll put you on a panel and remind you that you're not your young adult self anymore, okay? But once you get over that, just a little bit of vanity, uh, the first thing I would say to myself or any self in this age group, I would say, surround yourself with girls who you can laugh with, but who will challenge you to follow God when it is hard. That is my definition of friendship. If you want to know what kind of people you need in your life, you need people you can enjoy life with, but that they will love you enough to push you towards God and Jesus when it's hard and you want to do anything else but, okay? And I would say I found those type of friends when I was in the season that you guys are in, and I cannot tell you how much you will really need those friendships when you are out of this season. So if you haven't found those friends yet, it doesn't mean they're not there. I would join a small group. If they're not in your small group, Find a different small group, okay? That'd be my advice. I don't know if that's good, but anyway, I would do whatever you can to find friends like that in this season because, you know, Pastor Rick tells us all the time, none of us were made to do life alone. We weren't. We will be the worst versions of ourselves if we are trying to do life by ourselves, but it's so important who we choose to do life with. So find a friend that you can laugh with and pushes you towards God. Um, also, on the, on the guy topic, because I got to go there, Okay. Oh, ladies, please wait for God to bring someone into your life who challenges you to be more Christ-like by how they live, okay? I'm telling you, you, you know, six packs, come and go, okay? <laughs> Let's just be honest, okay? They, they do. But I'm telling you, if you see a guy that serves their tail off and they show love and kindness and politeness for other people, that's when you should say hello, okay? So, you know, there's, there's my thought on that. Um, okay. When it is God's person for you, when it is God's man in your life, I promise you, you're going to be better together than you are apart. You will make a better team than you do individuals. So wait to get serious with somebody. This is my other thought on this. Until you have confirmation from leaders, family, and friends, till everyone who loves you in your life is on board. I know that might be hard to hear, but I'm telling you, if it is God's man, God always confirms who, what he is doing in our life through confirmation, okay? He will confirm it multiple times to you. So if there is somebody that you really care about their opinion, they're covering in your life, they're a leader in your life, and they have a major red flag, I would pay attention to it. Okay, another thing on the guy topic, please, ladies, let him pursue you. Okay, do not be the pursuer. And let me tell you why. If you make a guy like you, okay, or you make him meet your needs once you're in a relationship with him, okay, you make him meet your needs, you're going to set yourself up for a marriage where you are constantly trying to get him to pursue you. And he'll let you do it. Guys will let women who want to take over and lead, a lot of times they'll let him go for it. So he'll let you lead, but you will constantly be discontent because you are trying to get somebody to pursue you who won't naturally unless he's given a space to lead. So there's my thought on that. And then I, I know I'm on the guy topic. I don't know why. Sorry. No man can ever fully meet the needs of a woman's heart. Okay. I promise you once you get married, if you don't know it before, you will know it once you're married. This idea is an illusion because God allows need in our lives to drive us to him. So there is no better time in your life than right now to Establish a relationship with God where you fully pour out your heart to him. I'm telling you, the intimacy you develop with God right now, it is going to be so needed in your life in the next season. So if I could say anything, make this a season where you devote your heart fully to the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says in his presence, in the presence of God is fullness of joy, not in the presence of a man. Okay? 
Um, it also, Jesus said, I've come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Okay, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. No, that's good. You can keep going. Woo! Okay, next question. <laughs> in a time of transition, how do you learn patience with God's plan for your life? You want to read it again? Yes, read it again. <laughs> In a time of transition, how do you learn patience with God's plan for your life? Okay. <laughs> um, okay. In a time of transition, first of all, I heard somebody say one time that transition, when you think about seasons, when you think about um, like winter, you know how to dress for winter. And when you think about summer, you know how to dress for summer. But sometimes those seasons of transition, you don't always know how to dress for those. And so seasons of transition can be hard because you don't know, you're not always prepared, you don't know how to dress for that. So in seasons of transition, just make sure you're really seeking God and asking him, how do I dress for this transition? How do I dress spiritually in this transition right now in my life? And um, because it's just transition is just a different time. We don't always know how to handle it. And, um, and then I would also say to that, and just kind of what we alluded to earlier, just have a thankful attitude. If you just walk around with the spirit looking for things to be thankful in your life, you just have a better attitude about life. And if you're just, you know, constantly looking at what's not going right, it just makes everything in your life elevate and get out of control. But if you're constantly looking for ways to be thankful, just whatever that transition is, whatever you're in, it just doesn't become as big. It just it brings it into perspective. Great answer. Great answer. Okay, last question. What about women in ministry? Okay, I love this topic, y'all, because we are in a new day in the church, okay? We, we totally are. Uh, the church I grew up in, we, women could only do two things, okay? We could watch kids and we could make food. And while I appreciate both of those giftings very much, those were not natural giftings in my own life. And so I remember growing up in church and thinking, I have a huge heart for God in ministry, but I don't have a place here, okay? But over the last 20 years, God has been planting life-giving churches all across the United States, okay, that appreciate the gifts and they value the full spectrum of gifting in both men and women. And New Life Church is one of those types of churches. So this is actually, in case you don't know, we have a core value that says this on our website, and I actually wrote it in my notes, so here it is. It says, we believe that a church should operate as a unified community of servants where men and women use their gifts. Michelle always says this, men and women are not to compete, they're to complete each other, okay? And here's what I have to say about this topic, um, because I can say it more than Michelle can say it. We are blessed with a lead pastor couple. Michelle wouldn't say this about herself. That's what I'm trying to say. We are blessed with a lead pastor couple who honor each other. They work well together, and they rely on each other's strengths. So, therefore, they see the value in finding a place for every single person who would walk through the doors of our church. 
My hope is if you don't see a place yet for someone like you here, that you get creative and you start something, maybe a small group, maybe a serve team that creates a new place for new people because God wants his house to be full of all ages, all races, and all types. Okay, we lied. There's one more question. So, <laughs> oh, we do have another question. How you're just doing such a great job. We just got to keep it going. How do you balance knowing that there is hope and victory in Christ, but also being real about your circumstances? Okay, okay. I read something recently. Um, oh, trying to think of how I want to word this exactly. With there is a difference between being real and being transparent. And you can be real with a, um, with a group, uh, with almost anybody, you can be real. You need to be transparent with a smaller group of people. And so real, Rick talks a lot, a lot last year was, you know, the year of being real, be real. He wrote a book on be real. And, um, and so you can be real in telling, going up to somebody and say, you know what? I am really struggling this, with this right now. It stinks. It stinks that this is, and you can say that, and you don't have to go into detail with it, but there's a smaller group of people that you can be transparent with and say that I am struggling with this, this, and this, and it stinks. Can you pray with me and help me walk through this? And so there's a difference between being real and being transparent. You can be real with a lot of people. You need to be transparent with a smaller group of people. And so you can, when you are going through a struggle, and you can tell people, hey, I'm going through a struggle right now. It really stinks. But I believe God has plans for me, and will you pray with me about that? But then with a smaller group of people, you can just get down and dirty with them and a group of people that you trust more with them. And um, <laughs> maybe I should have had a better choice of words. <laughs> I have my girl band behind me singing songs. And, um, and so say, rephrase that question, the first part of it again. I'm sorry, you were looking at something else. How do you balance knowing that there's hope and victory in Christ, but also being real about your circumstances? Okay. So, yes, that's how you do it. <laughs> there are times to be real, and there are times to be transparent, and you just need to know the difference. 